Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Adoramus Bulletin. In this episode, I sit down and talk with the editor of Adoramus Bulletin, Christopher Carsons, about some of the things that happened to the mass during this pandemic, and where can we see things going in 2021. And also, on behalf of all of us at Adoramus Bulletin, I want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for reading our articles. Thank you for listening to this podcast. So without further ado, another Adoramus interview. Chris, how are you doing today? Good, Jesse Weiler. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a terrible year, <laughs> but I, I am hoping I am hoping that we turn a corner here with some vaccines and herd immunity and all of these things that we keep hearing about. Uh, yeah, yeah. But well, you just you, you stay on your farm, stay safe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's made all the differences here in <laughs> suburban Chicago, and I'm in rural Wisconsin. But that's fine. You can play the Debbie Downer part in this interview, and I'll play the Pollyanna part. Oh, uh, that sounds that right? great. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. kind of a reversal of roles. You're, you're like that's the happiest, true. jolliest person I know. I am. I'm inherently happy. I just. Yeah. I think it's it's uh, uncontestable that it was kind of a terrible year for everybody, though, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but it was, yeah. But I think there's some bright spots here, Chris. I think. I think so too. Um, when when things started to take a nosedive and we started to see limitations for going to mass and things like that, I was really worried. And and maybe there will be some truth here. I was worried that people would leave mass and then they wouldn't come back. And and that is yet to be seen. However, what I did discover was that there was a yearning amongst people who couldn't go to mass. And maybe at first they thought, oh, this is a nice little Catholic vacation. I don't I don't have to go to mass anymore. <laughs> but I did notice a yearning for people who are saying, oh, wow. What am I going to do? How do we do this? How do we live and how, how do we operate our domestic church? How do we do, how do we be Catholics without the mass? Which is something that most of us have never had to ask ourselves. And, and you know what we did as Catholics? We started to seek out answers to that question. And I saw that all over, all over the world. People were saying, putting out different content. I, I mean, Chris, you and I did a podcast about, you know, how, how to celebrate Mass on, on Sunday uh, without being able to go to Mass. Yeah. And, and people were asking questions. They were trying to figure this out. And I think in terms of liturgy, what was really cool is that it gave us a, a, a leaping off point about how to talk about the Mass from the perspective of it's a blank slate. And so... We're, we got the ability to prepare people for a celebration of the sacred liturgy when we get to, quote unquote, normalize it again. And so I saw that. I saw that yearning from people who were very interested in learning more about the mass because they had to live without it. And I'm very interested to see how that's going to play itself out uh, once things start to stabilize. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jesse. I think when... Um when the when the shutdowns and lockdowns and quarantines uh, came about, uh, it did a couple of things. At least you know, from my perspective, it made us realize there's more to being Catholic than the Mass. Now, obviously, the Mass is the center and the source and the summit, Eucharistic presence of Christ. But um, I remember Father Marta saying this often that kind of after the Council, we put all of our liturgical spiritual eggs in the mass basket and there was nothing else supporting it nothing else surrounding it and then when that was kind of taken away uh as you said catholics had to think about what it meant to be a practicing catholic and what else could be done and so uh praying liturgy of the hours uh devotions in the home i mean 
I remember you and I talked about this. There's only so many, so much TV mass you can take before, uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful apostolate, especially mm-hmm. for those who just simply cannot get out. But it's it's just it's not the same thing as going to mass. And so I think that's as you look back on uh, 2020, um, you know, you see that maybe one of the things that came out of that is a, a little bit broader perspective on you know the Catholics' uh, prayer life, but. You know, the other thing, and this, what you were talking about, reminded me of this, too, is uh, um, I, I like to read uh, this uh, author named Walker Percy, who was a Southern novelist, Catholic uh, uh, philosopher, semanticist. And uh, he kind of has this claim that, you know, that, that most of the time we go through our day in what he calls average everydayness. This is a Martin Heidegger thing, too, as a <laughs> 20th century philosopher. But he says it's not until something breaks or some sort of catastrophe comes that all of a sudden your perspective changes, right? So if your car's running well, you don't even notice it. But when something happens to your car, it won't start or something, then all of a sudden you look at your car with a new vision and insight. And um, I, I kind of think that's applicable to our mass situation that, you know, it was just easy to kind of for the ritual to become rote and go through the motions. And then all of a sudden, when either it was canceled or when it started again, um, you know, it was so different. It at least afforded the possibility of looking at the essentials of the mass in a new light. And I think that's a good thing because too often it's the essentials that are obscured by little ancillary and peripheral things. So I thought that was a good a potential good benefit as well coming out of 2020 a yeah, new it's a, perspective it's a it's interesting to figure out how to sustain that too because i remember the first mass back after a very long you know two months absence when i was finally able to go to mass again that was probably the single most uh, the single most important mass for me in terms of active participation because I was I had been without it so long that I was like every single part of what I was doing was actively participating and you know and then every day since every time instant since going to mass you know that has not been as much the same and so sustaining that that wonder and awe in the liturgy is really important but then also sustaining those uh, those ancillary and devotional things that we started to incorporate into our lives in the absence of mass making sure we're trying to figure out how to sustain those as well yeah yeah i i, I kind of agree with that you know um you you're right when you when you got to go back to mass and if you missed it um you were able to really hone in on those essentials <laughs> on the other hand it was pretty easy pretty quickly to be distracted by these bizarre things that True. you know they were just kind of you know I, I guess prudent precautions uh you know uh, you know the 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 no singing or no choirs and the and the distancing and the tape on the floor and how to receive communion how not to receive communion and the masks no, no and the, processions oh, ever. yeah and so very quickly if you weren't on your guard those essential things became obscured again by these other strange things that are you know the 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 signs and the symbols right in the mass are meant to express the essential and sacramentalize the essential and these things don't i mean you see a you see a hand sanitizer where the holy water used to be and stuff like that's Mm -hmm. not revealing anything of uh spiritual substance so yeah it still took uh still takes you know a lot of work as we're turning 
into 2021. I'm, I'm wondering, um, in, in light of all of this, all of this conversation, new things being revealed, seeing things when they've been, you know, theoretically broken, not that the mass is ever broken, but our experience of it um, and, and the removal of it from our lives, uh, I think certainly is disjointing. But it makes me think about something that I've been really thinking about for the last couple of years, which is liturgy and discipleship. And, and I'm wondering if people who are really adept at evangelization and, and discipleship and providing in that encounter with Christ, I wonder if something's going to click with them to be able to say, oh, wow, okay, not only do I need to get this person in my Bible study and get them initiated into the church and have an encounter with Christ and develop a relationship with Christ, but there's this other piece that needs to be to happen as well. There needs to be a sacramental life, and that needs to be understood by those encountering Christ for the first time. And so I'm thinking, you know, as we go into the next year, how is that going to be a theme, you know, for for Catholics uh, around the world? You mean the theme of uh, sacramental life or evangelization or both? Of of bringing those recently discipled who into the church into an understanding of living a sacramental life because it's one thing to say hey chris i want you you know i want to show you or uh, provide or assist in an encounter with christ and then you have this you know you know god moment and you're like wow this is i want to give my whole life to christ that's one thing but it's another thing to say chris okay now that you've had that and you've entered the church here's how you live a sacramental life Here's how you uh, participated in the sacred liturgy and became deified on a regular basis. And, I, and right now, I think there's a little bit of a gap there where we initiate people into the church. And there used to be, you know, in the early church, a series of a couple of years where, you know, there'd be continued catechesis after initiation. Um, but these, this process of continuing to live a sacramental life extends beyond the initiation and so I'm, I'm hoping that there's that um, enrichment there where, where when we don't have access to the sacraments, where we start to see the value of that, incorporating that into our life so that we can be transfigured and deified. Well, I think whether you're newly initiated or you're a cradle Catholic, uh, reestablishing sacramental celebrations properly is uh, one of the things that should be on Absolutely. a liturgist's mind uh, as we go to 2021 or a parent's mind or a pastor's mind or a deacon's mind or anything like that. So as we end 2020 and begin 2021, uh, we need to be determined, I think, to restore our liturgical celebrations to their sacramental fullness because they've been stripped bare of so many of those things, whether it's music or not receiving from the chalice or, you know, how to, I think I saw one, heard one place, uh, parishioners were encouraged to leave right after they re received communion, you know, rather than go back to their, to their places. So I, I, which is not really a new thing. You know, <laughs> I was just going to say that. Places. I was like, I've seen that done anyway. Oh, but right. There, there's a whole litany of things that are abnormal. Uh, and under normal circumstances would frankly be considered uh, liturgical abuses. You know, they're illicit things going on, but are uh, seem to seem to be prudent at this time. Well, we need to be prepared to leave those when it's appropriate in the past and to restore uh, the liturgy to its fullness. And I think, too, 
in my uh, Pollyanna role here in this uh, uh, podcast is that there's a great potential for that. So when music comes back, okay, are you just going to go back to what we did 18 months ago, you know, with the same kind of uh, rotten hymns and, you know, no singing? Or uh, is it, do you, do you appreciate the occasion to bring back a type of singing that's more in continuity with the missal, with the council, with the tradition, you know, singing dialogues and acclamations, singing antiphons and the rest? You know, when uh, the sign of peace returns, is it going to be, you know, the same old, you know, backslapping, you know, peace out sort of things? Or uh, are people going to be catechized enough such that they can see what this is meant to be as an encounter with the priest, uh, with the peace of Christ, you know, kind of emanating from the altar? You know, when uh, the chalice is restored, uh, a communion to the faithful, is it, I mean, do you think, Jesse, you'll hear somebody say, oh, good, I'm glad we have the wine again back at Mass? Uh, or is it going to be occasion? Okay, when you receive from the chalice, this is, um, I think of this line by, it was by Pope Benedict. There's almost this consanguinity that comes about. You become blood relation with Christ as, uh, as he receives you in communion and animates you as a living cell of his mystical body. I mean, there's so much potential going into this new year, 2021, that needs to be taken advantage of because mm -hmm. we've kind of had the blessing of being able to put aside some of those things that weren't done well or weren't shouldn't have been done at all or weren't understood well. So I think there's great potential for pastors, parents, liturgists, catechists, uh, and whatnot to, to bring these things back and actually make them beneficial for those who participate in the liturgy. The do, you sacraments. Think, do you think there's a bigger need for the, the the practical understanding of those things, or do you think you know just the general philosophy and theology of sacramental uh, understanding? Uh, I'd say a little of both, but I'd say most of it is on the latter. It's on understanding. You know, it's it's not rocket science to know how to you know give the chalice to a communicant or something like that although there, there is an ours there's an art to it there's an art to exchanging the sign of peace there's uh you know it, 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 any number of these things but i think most of it is that these ritual and sacramental things are done without knowing what it is that they mean and so i would say the the it's a package deal but i think as these ritual elements and sacramental pieces are restored, they have to be done well, as you're saying, but also they have to bring with them some catechesis that either never happened or hasn't happened for a very long time. One, uh, not to, not to uh, be the Debbie Downer again, but um, I'm, I'm, also, I'm also kind of concerned that we're going to have a, a warped understanding of human touch and interaction after this pandemic as well. And you know, even I watch a show on TV and I see two people hug and I'm, I almost like draw back because I was like, oh, we're not supposed to we're not supposed to hug each other now. Uh, we're not supposed to do that. And so so much of the liturgy, there's I mean, it's very sensory, like you always say, we're sensate beings and and, you know, confirmation, uh, a hand on, uh, you know, on the forehead, anointing, um, baptisms, things like this. Um, are are do, are we going to have to fight some of that coming out of a pandemic? Um, with you, you, like you said, the distribution of the the uh, blood of Christ, are more parishes going to withdraw from that practice because 
it doesn't make sense in a post-pandemic world. And so those are some mm-hmm. things I think that are going to be factors as well. And how do we how do we have conversations about that? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, Catholicism especially, especially uh, Western uh, Catholicism, is uh, uh, so uh, incarnate and bodily. And again, I don't mean that Eastern Catholics don't believe in the incarnation, but there's an emphasis in the East about transcendence and divinization and, and the rest. But for us over here, we're, we're very uh, earthy and earthly types. And so, yeah, our, our system of worship and liturgy depends on the senses and depends on our bodies. And you're right, I think this year of going virtual with uh, mass or conferences or other things like that is just so antithetical to, to the Catholic mind that I think restoring uh, these human and bodily elements uh, in the liturgy might be a struggle, but I think it's, it's uh, necessary. It's kind of a, kind of a theology of the, of the body, theology of the mystical <laughs> body, you know, at prayer that uh, we, we worship with, uh, with our senses and with our bodies. And so we can't, let we have to be prudent yeah but, but we can't let uh that disappear it's it's an anthropological uh thing and then you know that's that's it to, to go to a catholic mass is to become more of more human okay because it's your humanity uh being elevated uh into what it was meant to be from from the start so yeah there's a so, you know, Jesse, I guess by way of summary, you're right. 2020 was a rough year on uh, in many. <laughs> Finally, you, I you got tired, you to admit it. T- tired of hearing that and tired of saying it. It was in a lot of ways, uh, in, in very many ways. But I think that there's there's some great possibilities for the liturgy and for liturgical prayer going into 2021 if we see what's at stake and if we have the you know, the uh, resolve to restore the liturgy to its uh, to its fullness. I think you're right. I think we have to have 2020 vision to be able to understand wow. what 20. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's 2020 I, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Uh, no, I think I think you're right. I think, you know, in the end, it's really important not just just to, um, you know, be so apathetic to everything that's going on that you don't take it as a learning experience. I think we all need to take this as a learning experience to not only, you know, understand things differently when we when we don't have the normal mass, but then also to go beyond that and to seek out more information while we have the time and understanding to do so, so that we are more prepared and better formed when things start to normalize in 2021. And so yeah. I think I think that's the way to go, and the the thing that's really great about that is that there's lots of uh, resources. While we're still kind of waiting for things to normalize, Chris, the Adoramus Bulletin is a wonderful, wonderful resource for people to to go and check out. And I can't say enough about how amazing the back issues of Adoramus mm-hmm. are. Um, I will. St- I will go to Adoramus and search something that I'm thinking about and find an article from 10 years ago that is just as relevant today. Yeah. And it's so amazing because uh, the, the wealth of knowledge in, in all, of, uh, all of those writings at Adoramus. And then, of course, at the, at the Liturgical Institute, we have those online courses that people can get extra extra attention to those formation uh, processes for themselves. Yeah, and maybe you know tying those together again, if... Uh, We've talked about, and we are going to do over the next uh, month, uh, a series on uh, Holy Week and uh, Lent and the Triduum and the Easter season, right? Because it's been mm-hmm. a few years now 
since <laughs> some of us have gotten to go. And so please look for that uh, coming out in uh, probably the next couple of months uh, to prepare to, to return to, to those uh, sacred times of year. All right. So I want to close with one liturgy question. All right. Because 2020 was such a bad year, do we have to repeat this liturgical cycle <laughs> this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll keep moving on. Okay, okay. So, so there's, uh, there's no like reset, we'll do, we'll do over for this no liturgical reset. year. Okay. There's no reset. Okay. All keep right, moving. the liturgical New Year has already happened. We can't go back. Got it. <laughs> thanks, Jesse. All right, thanks, Chris. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful day. <laughs>